0: Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, it is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it. You can simply email us at info at lifejourneyva.com. One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com.
1: Um, we'll go ahead and pass our baskets. Thanks. Um, you would like to make a donation i mary rose told me that many many are doing online donation instead of in the basket which is really great if that's something you want to do instead of the basket that's cool but any donation that you'd like to make to help uh help offset our costs and get uh things keep things going that'd be that'd be fantastic speaking of costs um we want to make sure that everybody is aware and we'll, well, we'll do some more emailing this week. Uh, well, here, I'll come back to what I was just saying. If, if you have the Bible app, all these notes are in the Bible app, just, you know, more and events and you'll see us there. If you have any questions, if you've looked up, try to find that and it doesn't work, you know, ask somebody because it's there and it's a really cool resource. But back to what I was saying, the uh, starting next Sunday... We are going to move our location over to the fire department. Uh, So this is our last Sunday at Henley for quite a while, maybe, I don't know, four months or so, because they're going to be doing some major construction. Uh, I think the entire roof is being replaced. The entire entrance is being redone uh, over the course of the summer. And uh, so when the fire department opened up uh, their meeting space for us, we were like, why wait till, why wait till June? You know, let's just go ahead and start, you know, as soon as it's available. And next Sunday is when it's first available, so we're going to be moving over there. And they're not charging us a rent. As the chaplain, I'm a member there, and so there's no fee. But I think it's wise that we make a, you know, a donation of some sort of monthly donation, you know, to the department for, you know, letting us use it. But we're going to be able to save quite a bit of money over the course of the next several months um, as a result, assuming that, Income, you know, stays the way that it's been. And we passed out a little flyer last week. Uh, there might be some left over, that showed um, how we actually are ahead by, I think, like it was like 2100 bucks at the end of the first quarter, uh, something that hasn't happened in a long time that we're actually uh, spent less than came in. So thank the Lord for that through the faithfulness of, of those who've donated, but then also through quite a bit of frugality. Frug- Uh, not spending much. What's that word? Frugality. Frugality. Thank you. Takes a village. So uh, that's really great. We're really glad to see that happening with the finances. All right, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, I'm a little, uh, I I was actually thinking as we were singing, like, should I just do something completely different than I had planned? Because what I have planned, and I'm going to do what I had planned, um, is I had lunch with a, a, a gentleman in our fellowship a while back, um, and he asked me a question. That was a great question, but it really struck me because I thought to myself, you don't know the answer to that question? Now I didn't say it that way, of course. You know, we, we, taught, we took some time and we walked through. But it was a question of um, sort of, it took me by surprise because I thought as long as this gentleman's been coming to our fellowship, I thought for sure, you know, he would understand, like, we, you know, know what the answer to his own question is. And now once we took the time over lunch and two of my kids were with us, so it was also lunch plus, hey, get back in your seat, lunch plus, hey, uh, eat, keep eating your corn dog, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. So it wasn't like a, a big deal at the end of the day. But I was just taken back by it. And so I thought, you know, we're going to start next Sunday, our first Sunday over at the fire department, we're going to go through the book of of Titus, uh, verse by verse, and the subtitle is, um, Don't Mess Up What God Has Set Up. And that's Paul left Titus on the island, I think it was Cyprus, to establish other elders to defend what God had set up. Because Judaizers were coming to try to mess it up, to add rules, regulations, and laws, etc. And Paul said, I'm going to leave you there so that you can stand firm in this truth of Jesus plus nothing. And so we're going to walk through that, you know, when we go over to the fire department. But there was this one Sunday today that, you know, I was like, what, what should I talk, talk about? And I thought, well, it'd be good to talk about this question that he asked me. And then the reason I was debating on whether or not to do something different is because he, he's not here today. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you are, and uh, he can catch my podcast if, if he wants. But the question was this. He said, so, okay, we get it. As we just sang about, Jesus has died for all of our sins, totally forgiven. Um, and he said, quoting, you know, Galatians 2, he said, I have died. i have been crucified with Christ. And so now it's all Jesus. It is all Jesus, and I have no part in any of this. It's all him, and I just do nothing. It's all Jesus. And I don't even know if I exist, because it's all Jesus. And he, as he's saying this to me, asking the question, is this right? He's seeing in his own gears, it's like, but that can't be right. Right? But that's what I think I'm hearing. So which is it? Is it what basically, and this is the question that is in the notes and how I've summarized his question is, what is my role in this new covenant of God's grace? What's my role? What part do I play in this? We got what Jesus has done. He's taken away our sins. He was buried, rose, and he is our life. But where am I in this mix? What is my role in this whole thing? Because this gentleman was thinking that his role is is almost non-existent, that his he he doesn't really yet have this new life that we I think talk about a lot. And so I this is a little bit different. We actually have, which we never do, we actually have three points. No poem, if you're looking for a poem. You know, three points in a poem, and a prayer. With no poem today, we will pray. But we've got three points to answer this question, three answers to this question. What is my role in the new covenant of God's grace? And these are all on the Bible notes if you want to uh, you know, have these for the upcoming week or so while it's still available. And so the first two answers, number one and number two, are the uh, answer of this is not our role. And then number three, this is our role. So number one, what is my role? Our role is not. This is not how it works. Number one, it is not Jesus, the new covenant, my relationship, my role is not Jesus, despite me. And I think most of us would probably resonate with that 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 mindset in our sort of religious background of. You know, my Christian life, it's it's Jesus despite me. And there's this adversarial role that we think we have with Jesus because he is the righteous, he is righteousness. And I mean, I'm still a dirty rotten worm sinner. And so this is a very popular, it's what I I think embraced most of my life: that my role, my relationship is Jesus despite me. This is what the Christian life is this adversarial sort of relationship where I tend to always be the one that's in the way. Jesus is doing all this great work. He's doing all this straight, great stuff, but he's doing it despite me. There's something still wrong with me. And, and I'm trying to emphasize that that's not it. We'll see a couple verses here in a second. It is not, Jesus in spite of me or despite me. He works in spite of me. The idea that we have is this picture in this of a parent who loves, a parent who provides, a parent who gives, and a rebellious child. And so the relationship exists, the love exists in spite of the actions and the attitudes and the behaviors of that child. Now, my oldest is only seven. For those of you who have older children who have a lifestyle of perhaps rebellion, you might be able to um, connect with that a little bit closer. Or you who were that rebellion (laughs) uh, might be able to connect with that a little bit more. But that's the mindset I think we have, hopefully not here, but many have, that this is how it works. This is my role in the new covenant. It is Jesus in spite of me. Despite who, what I bring to the table, it's, it's Jesus. And so it's all Jesus, and, it has, and I tend to be the one that always gets in the way. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says something very, very different from that. 2 Corinthians 5 says, uh, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, therefore, from now on, because of what Jesus has done, we recognize no one according to the flesh. And so what Paul is saying is, when I see David, I don't see David as, you know, hey, you've got all this good fleshy stuff going on versus all this bad fleshy stuff going on. He saying, we don't regard anyone, Gentile, Jew, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh, to the outer. Well, why not? Yet, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, we knew him as a Jewish carpenter, son of a carpenter, yet we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, since that's not how we define, that's not how we identify each other, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he actually is a new creation. So think of this mindset that we tend to have that this new covenant relationship is Jesus in spite of me. Well, if it's Jesus in spite of me, then what is Paul saying that the new that you are actually a whole new creation? What I hear Paul saying is that something like we just sang about something big happened and everything now is is different. Yeah, before, before the cross, before you believed, yeah, you definitely were in the way. It's this thing called sin. And you're death in sin, but something drastically has happened because you are now actually a new creation. The old things, the old things that stood in the way, the old man is gone. It's passed away. Behold, new things have come. And he goes on to say that if, and these things, these new things, this new creation, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God, he did this work with Jesus of bringing together man and himself, bringing these together, reconciling, and now we who are a part of this, we have the ministry, we have the opportunity to go and tell people about this great work that God has done. Namely, and here's here's the big deal, namely that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. So if you ever wondered where God the Father was at the cross when Jesus was hanging there dying, Paul is saying that the Father was with the Son in him, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. And he has committed to us this word, this 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 uh uh this this uh mission of sharing this with others this sharing this reality of reconciling re- reconciliation what Jesus has done and so let's get back to this this way that we tend to think of our relationship in the new covenant some of us tend to think it's Jesus despite me in in, in spite, I, I keep he, he keeps I keep doing things that keep getting in the way. I'm still a problem. I'm still the one that wanders away and, and I keep, but yet he is so faithful and I keep messing it up and I have to keep getting things figured out and getting things right between me and him. And I'm just saying that, that that's not what the apostles taught. The apostles taught that Jesus Christ in his death, he did such a work of reconciliation that God is now no longer counting sins. And so, if God is no longer counting your sins, then how is our relationship with him one in which it's Jesus in spite of me? Well, in spite of what? Well, in spite of all my sins. Well, he's not counting your sins. So, what is my role in the, co- in the kingdom, in the new covenant? Well, it's not this idea of Jesus in spite of me because I keep messing things up. In fact, Hebrews 10, which is not on the screen, but Hebrews 10 says that the Holy Spirit Himself in this new covenant remembers our sins and our lawless deeds no more. So we think, many think, that the Holy Spirit is in us to bring to memory all of our sins so that we can ask forgiveness for those sins. But what the Scripture says is that the Holy Spirit doesn't even remember our sins anymore. So it's not a relation. Our role is not this role of it's Jesus in spite of me. I keep messing this thing up, but thankfully God is faithful, and, but yet I keep screwing it up. Again, this picture of a f- loving parent and a rebellious teenager, a rebellious child who keeps messing up, keeps messing up, and the parent, they're so loving, but at times they want to pull their hair out, but yet they're so loving, that's not the picture. That's not our role in the kingdom of heaven. Number two, I told you there were two that are nots, and then one that I think paints a good picture of what it is. This is similar, but this is a little bit more what the gentleman I was having lunch with was thinking. It's not, what is my role? It's not Jesus alone without me. So I accept that he died for me. I accept that he has forgiven me of all of my sins, but I died, and now it's just Jesus, and I'm not a part of this situation. I'm not a part of the equation. It's all Jesus alone, and I'm not a part of it because I died. Well, that's what Galatians two twenty says, right? I have been crucified with Christ, so I'm dead. The old man is dead. We just saw it. The old man is dead, and now what I have until I physically die, it's only Jesus, and I'm just sort of waiting. I guess this minds this idea. I'm just waiting for that day when I physically die, then I'll experience this life. And so it's kind of like a weird version of maybe like soul sleep or something where right now I'm just in this existence and it's only Jesus. I'm not really a part of the equation. Which again is what I think this gentleman was, had this mindset of. And so it's all Jesus and no me. It's this idea of a 100% passive relationship, no actions required by me, no thought. I don't even exist. I've been crucified. And the life that's now lived, it's Christ. It's not even me. I'm not even a part of this. It's his love. It's his power. It's his spirit. And I'm not even a part of the equation. Very passive. It's like I'm kind of there in thought, but just this bystander who's not a part of the relationship. Picture a, we, in the first one, we pictured a parent with a rebellious child and the parent keeps on like shaking his head and like, you know, face palming, like, oh, when is this kid gonna learn? That was Jesus in spite of me. In this one, the picture that I kind of get is this idea of a parent, a loving parent with a little tiny precious but helpless baby, infant. That the only way that infant, I mean, you talk about like fresh, not even crawling infant, the only way for that infant to get from this side of the room to that side of the room is for the parent to do it. And it's a complete bystander, not active, not involved, just completely passive. Is that our role in the kingdom of heaven? parent and a baby or the first one a parent and this rebellious child and this detention is always there there's no tension with the picture that we're talking about now number two the parent and the baby there's no, there's no tension there it's just that the baby's not a part of it. it's just it's just there so a couple of that verses of scripture that to me clearly says that that, that's not what our role is. That's not how it works. And again, this is kind of what this gentleman in our fellowship was coming to a conclusion, thinking it was. Colossians chapter 2, starting verse 11, it says, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, there was the inner man that was cut away from the outer man, and the inner man is taken, and it's taken and taken where? It's taken into death, which is what verse 12 talks about, having been buried with him. So this inner man that's been cut away, it's been buried, but here's what Paul says, with him, in which you were also raised up with him through the faith and the working of God who raised him him. From the dead, and so Paul is not talking about this sort of passive over on the sideline bystander he 's uses this word with to talk about you are together with him in his death, with him in his resurrection. Verse thirteen when you were raised uh, when you were dead in your transgression and the uncircumcision of your flesh before you were Christ, before you were born again, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions. And so I hear Paul not painting this picture of, hey, look, it's all Jesus, Jesus has done it all. And you are just this bystander, passive, have nothing to do with any of it. You just sit there and wait for something good to happen. And if he wants you to get over there, he'll come and he'll take you over there. I don't hear that at all from Paul. I say I hear him saying, together with him, you were buried. Together with him, you were raised. Together with him, you are now made alive together. A partnership of sorts, which I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I don't get this idea that our role in the new covenant is just sitting there passive, just waiting, just hoping that something good might happen, like a parent and a baby. Think of, I know it's the old covenant, but think of the old covenant. Is that the relationship that God had with Noah? Hey, Noah, just sit here and don't do a thing, and uh, there's going to be a boat that shows up. No. Is that the way he worked with Abraham? Hey, Abraham don't by faith go over to the land of Canaan. Just stay over here and I'll zap you over there when I want you over there. No, that's not how he worked with Abraham. Moses, the same, the burning bush. God didn't need these guys to do what God wanted done. But he chose, and I'm gonna use a word here that's gonna be in our number three, he chose to partner with them. And you say, well, that's that's Old Testament. We're in the New Testament, okay. Cool, we're in the New Testament. Paul, did Paul sit back completely passive and not get involved and not be inspired by the Lord Jesus within him? Did did Paul just passively hang out in Tarsus the rest of his life? No. No. He worked with the Lord and did some amazing things with him, from him from his power, from his spirit. But he didn't just sit there like a parent and a baby. There was a partnership. What about Peter, James, John? I mean, you name it, all the apostles. They were not just passive bystanders. There was a partnership that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit had with these men and these women in the new covenant. And that's what, number three, that's what I see and I could be wrong but that's how I see our role our role in the new covenant to be it's not jesus in spite of us because we keep on messing up and he just keeps on thinking god are these guys ever going to get it together and so he's dragging us like we drag a rebellious teenager around but it's also not this passive thing where there's no sin issue because sin has been removed but it's just this baby that just is just there and you know if it gets over there it's because well you have to carry it over there and it's it has no desire it has no knowledge it has no uh decisions for itself because it's just so young i think our role in the new covenant is jesus in perfect amazing awesome partnership with me I'm in partnership with him. Jesus, yes, he crucified me. He buried me and he has raised me and he's now moved into me. He lives in me in partnership with me as I have daily choices to make to either walk by him and walk with him or to choose to not walk by him and with him. So the first idea was this idea this picture of a parent with a rebellious kid. The second was this picture of a parent with a baby, helpless and just passive completely. But see I think what the gospel really is, our role in the new covenant is not a parent and a rebellious kid, a parent and a baby, but I think it's a partnership like a husband and a what? A wife. Doesn't that sound sort of familiar? A husband and a wife. The husband, Jesus himself, and the bride of Christ, you and me. How does Jesus explain this? Well, in John chapter 15, this is just moments before, hours before his arrest in the garden. And he's teaching them what this new covenant is going to be like. He's teaching them, and this is just so rich, chapter like 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Just rich of what Jesus talking about what the new covenant is going to be like. And he starts talking about a vine and branches. Now, Doug said this morning that I'm, what did you call me? You didn't say green thumb. You said something, and that's just not true. You know, I like it. I like plants, I like flowers, I like grass, I like grass that grows. But I don't really know how it all works, to be honest with you. Um, I just do what they say to do on YouTube. But I would say, I would suggest that we can wrap our minds, even if we've never done any sort of horticultural uh, work, that we can wrap our minds around the idea that a vine and a branch are in what? Starts with a P. Partnership. Do you see that? The vine is not the branch. The branch is not the vine. They are indip- They are distinct, but they are inseparable partners. Jesus says, I am the vine. So he is the source. He is where life comes from. And he says, you are the branches. So you're not some sort of, rebellious child that I keep on trying, wringing my hands and pulling my hair out to try to get you to do right. That's not how he explains it. He also doesn't say, you're, you're some passive, not involved baby that if I want to get to the other side of the room, I got to drag you over there myself. He says, I am the vine. You are the branch. And from me, you produce a fruit. He or she who abides in me that word abide I think has gotten unfortunately religion has destroyed that word are you abiding in Jesus today abide means to live where do you abide what's your abode the noun virgin well mines it I was going to say the address I don't know if I want to say that for the podcast but mine is in Virginia, that's where my abode is, right? That's where I live. He says, he who abides in me, he who lives in me, he who is born of me, a believer, and I in him, he bears much fruit. The fruit is born, the fruit comes off of the branch, not off the vine, but it comes through the vine into the branch and it produces a fruit off of the branch. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we're not trying to say that we're in partnership with Jesus because we're equal in in source with him. No, 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 no. We are in partnership where we are joined to him in partnership where he is the source, the vine, and we receive from him life that we begin to see on display through us as we are as we gain a revelation of our, I'm going to make up a word, abidingness with him. If we realize how much we live in him and from him like a a branch to a vine, we will naturally begin to see the fruit of his spirit being on display through us. But what's that called? That's called partnership. That's me believing him and being and realizing my dependency upon him, that's my action daily of deciding to believe something that I might not be able to see with my eyeballs and realizing that not a parent with a rebellious kid or a parent with a baby, an infant baby, but as a husband and a wife in perfect union, partnership, I now live with him. I did a wedding yesterday that was awesome, probably the coolest wedding besides my own with my wife that I've ever been able to participate in. It was so awesome. Um, and I don't say that because others were terrible, but as I've begun to learn more and more about what marriage itself is a shadow of, the substance of Christ and his bride, it was just really cool to connect those dots in that ceremony where we were celebrating, yes, a man taking a woman for his as his bride, but we were celebrating a greater reality of Christ himself who chose to take a bride for himself. It was just awesome. I'll never forget yesterday. It was so cool. But if you think of a husband and a wife, this partnership, and I don't mean to get graphic by any stretch, but can a bride, can a woman produce a fruit from herself? By herself? Fruit of offspring by herself? No. No unless you're the Virgin Mary, but it still wasn't by herself. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. What must that woman receive? The groom, the husband, into her. And his seed entering into her produces in fertile situations and grounds a fruit that now bears fruit from the groom? No, no. Out of the what? The bride. So if we've ever, my wife has definitely said this before, um, I just wish maybe you could have one of these kids, you know. You could give birth to one of these kids. The reason why that doesn't happen that way is because it's a shadow of our union with Christ. Christ has come into us bringing his life, his seed, his peace, his joy to fertile heart that is born of him, so that as we realize just how much our abidedness is in him, our life, our living, our source is him, then what carries forth now from us the bride? Fruit, offspring, which is his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness. One of the coolest things is when, um, where were we? I saw a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time. Where were we? And I had the older two kids with me, and the guy that I was meeting or I saw, he just very plainly said, "Uh, oh, it was at the fire department. That's what it was. It was at the fire department. He said to me, he said, well, you can't deny those two kids. And, you know, we joke about it. We kind of laugh. It's cool. It's funny, you know. But why is that the case? Why do kids... The, even the same physical characteristics of their mom and their dad because they are born of them. And so as we realize our partnership, G- Jesus the, br- the groom, we the bride, as the vine and the branch, the branch dependent but yet in union with the vine, his fruit is on display through us and the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness that begins to manifest through us, people can say, "Man, you sure are loving like I think jesus would love man you, there's a peace about you that just blows me away. Where is this peace coming from man there there's such a there's such a, a thankfulness there's such a a, a a delight in you where is this It just doesn't seem to come from human sources. What is this? Maybe they attribute it to Christ. Maybe they don't. But they just realize, man, there's something unique here. It's because we are realizing our partnership, our husband and wife relationship with Jesus himself as we abide, live, rest in him. He produces his fruit through us. Vines and branches are not in competition with each other, last I checked. They're not adversaries. A vine and a branch relationship, it's not, it's all vine and no branch. That doesn't produce much fruit. Branch is simply some sort of bystander. But a vine and a branch are in perfect partnership with each other. Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, But I say, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Yes, the flesh, sin, the power of sin, lives in our mortal bodies. But Paul is saying, if we realize this union that we have with the Spirit, with Jesus, and if we choose our partnership, if we decide that, wow, we abide, we live in Christ and He in us, if we on a daily basis, minute by minute basis, choose to walk by that reality, walk in this reality that I am joined to the God of the universe. I am not who I once was. I am not even desirous in my new heart for sin and for rebellion, for wickedness. But I desire because of my new birth what Christ himself desires because I'm in partnership with him. I'm compatible. I'm in union. As we walk by that reality of the spirit, Paul says, hey, look, here's what happens. Here's the effect. We end up not gratifying the desires of the flesh. So if we have sin problems that we keep on doing these same sins over and over, the solution isn't to try to fight and target these sins. The solution is I'm going to choose in my partnership as the branch to realize my union with the vine and he and me and me and him the very same dna that's in the branch is in the vine partakers of the divine nature and i'm going to realize that i live in him and he in me and i am joined to him i am one with him he is my groom and i his bride and guess what begins to produce in me wow i don't manifest the desires of the flesh in those moments because I'm walking by this reality of my union with the Spirit. I love how he says walk and not if, if, if we sit by the Spirit or stand by the Spirit. Because with walk, you get this idea of it's I'm making a decision right now to believe the truth of my partnership with the God of the universe. And then what do you do next? Another Step in your walk. I'm believing now again and now again in this journey, as I call it, the 80-year journey of choosing daily to believe this reality of our new life with him. This is our partnership. It's not a rebellious teenager that God is trying his best to just shape up or else he's gonna ship out. It's not this passive, you're not involved at all. It's a partnership between a vine and a branch, between a husband and his wife, union. Paul says a few verses later if we live by the spirit then let us you see the part let us do let us walk by this reality if we already exist in this reality living from him and by him then doesn't it make sense for us to walk that out on a daily basis but what does that require that requires a realization of well wow, i'm in partnership i'm not in competition He's not dragging me against my will. This is a reality of my life in him. And now I get to choose today, April 22nd at 1116 a.m., I'm gonna choose right this minute to believe something that I can't see, that I am the branch and he's the vine. and The very life of him is flowing through me to produce something beautiful within me and through me from him. If we live by the Spirit, and we do, if we're in Christ, then let us walk by it, a partnership. But what if we mess up? What if we sin? Well, we just read that. He's no longer counting our sins. It's not even the deal anymore. He's no longer waiting for us to to straighten up and fly straight. He has done that work, and now we get to live in this reality here and now, day in and day out. So what is our role In this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, it is not Jesus in spite of me. Jesus, the perfect parent, and this rebellious teenager that he's trying to drag along to fly straight, straighten up. It is also not this picture of a parent with a baby, infant, unable to do anything for himself. It is, it is, it's not that. Yes, the baby is not this rebellious teenager, so that's better. But the baby has no choices, no, no, no decisions to make. The baby's just there. But we see our role in the kingdom of heaven is a partnership between a husband and a bride where decisions are made on a daily basis for us to walk by this union, to walk by this relationship, to make choices on a daily basis, am I going to choose in this moment to believe that I am in union with the one who flung the stars into space? Am I going to believe in this moment when, when the temptations of the world and in the flesh are, are making them, themselves so prevalent in my mind? Am I going to choose in this moment that, well, you know what? Since I live by the Spirit, you know what? I'm going I'm to walk that way. I'm going to walk in that truth. I'm going to trust that I am his righteousness. And what business does righteousness and filthiness have together? It doesn't even appeal to me in this moment. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, the reason that we stumble, the reason why we sin is because we have forgotten just how pure we actually are. We forget that we're the branch. We forget that we're the partaker of the divine nature. So I think our relationship is that of partnership. Yes, it is all Jesus and what he has done for us, what he has done to us, but he, by his grace, has invited you not to be a rebellious teenager or just simply a baby, but he's invited you to be his bride, bride of Christ, whom he has, through whom he has implanted himself, and from that comes the fruit of his very spirit. So our journey marker this morning is remember the question, what is my role? How does this look? It's not Jesus despite me. It's not Jesus instead of me or or without me. I'm just some sort of passive not involved, but it's Jesus in absolute partnership with me. Yes, the vine, the branch Absolutely dependent upon the vine for its fruit. Absolutely. We are absolutely dependent upon Him. Just like a bride is absolutely dependent upon the groom for the seed to produce a fruit offspring. Absolutely dependent. But as a partnership where we get to choose to walk by this reality or not. So, with that being said, I hope that that might help. It might raise a lot of questions of, but what about, or what if, or how about when Paul says this, or whatever. And so, if you would like to um, maybe share a comment or question, if this helped clarify, I know the gentleman who asked me this question isn't here today, but maybe this is a question that has been rolling around in your head as well, and maybe it opened up another question, or maybe it helped Provide some clarity on something. I don't know. But what we'd like to do, as we normally do, and starting next week, we won't pass around a microphone because we'll be in a smaller setting, uh, which will be kind of cool, too. Uh, We'll use microphones so everybody can hear. But um, anybody have a question or a thought or a comment or a but what about um, in regards to some of what we looked at today? And I know it was a little bit different, um, a specific answer to a specific question, but hopefully it was encouraging and beneficial nonetheless. Any thoughts? Any questions? Yeah, heart.
2: For me, the analogy of the, um, the husband and wife—you know—as as, as, um, picture of the bride of Christ, and they can't bear fruit unless you know the husband's seed finds fertile ground. I work. Is there any? Does that tie in with the parable of the sower, you think, at all? Where there's, you know, the seed doesn't necessarily find fertile ground when it's being spread around. Like, there's, and the various things can can undefertilize the the soil.
1: Yeah, no, I I think, I think certainly that the question, um, in fact, I was talking with a guy yesterday about that very parable. He, in the context of and, and I, I've seen it even in our fellowship, where somebody they come into our fellowship, they hear this wonderfully good news of Jesus plus nothing, and their immediate response is: it's, it's either, well, this is heresy. This, of course, he didn't forgive us of all of our sin. What are you talking about? Or it's, wow, where has this been my whole life? You know, sort of a deal. But even from then, when that response of such great receptivity, what I've seen many a times is um as as they consider that further of what that really means freedom in christ they tend to step back from that first initial joy because either well this verse you know the the, a, a verse of scripture like the devil used with jesus using scripture to try to tempt jesus or they'll say well this experience or or this, you know, whatever. And and it's like how Jesus talks about, you know, the birds coming in and, and taking up, you know, the seed or the thorns and the, the struggles of life, choking out this word of, of rest, of, of life. So I have definitely have seen that. The question is, is that person born again or not born again? And I don't know the answer to that, you know. Um, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's what I want to teach, you know, you must be born again. You must receive and believe, you know, what Jesus has done. But yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, I think in my own life, let me just make it personal. In my own life, though I've been born again since 1992, there have been plethora of times when the truth of, of God's love and nearness and, and desire and delight in in me, his bride, has not been received, has not been well received, and as a result sin ensues rather than fruit so i know that's true in my life and i think we could all probably you know somewhat shake our head to that being applicable um so I, don't know if that, but, so I think yes absolutely but that's not how i always used to see that parable is what i'm trying to say i used to always see that parable in a different context i suppose not so much in the context of um from a believer's point of standard point of view cool awesome great question yeah, Jonas.
2: I think Walt um, established early in his teaching um, things, I think, that answer some of these follow-up questions, maybe. Um, and that is that we have been reconciled uh, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. It was his work. And that is so all inclusive and so final that for me it helps answer some of these questions that come along. Mm-hmm. And is he not the master gardener also? Does the soil have, what can the soil do to even make itself either stony or not stony? Right. So the more I look at some of these questions, I see he is, he is in control and I honor that that he does. And um, my mind went back to, as I was going through here, um, I was inspired to share a little bit about this area, Crozet, Charlottesville, um, and the Walt's point about soundness of faith. Uh, are we able? To bring out, are are we a true symbol of God? In the middle, thinking of the riots in Charlottesville, I was thinking of the um, Republican lawmakers whose train was stopped in Crozet. And um, tonight, a week ago, guy that hit the mountain here and the foot of the mountain here, this young car guy, uh, I knew him and his family. They were in the lumber business and anyway, he was snatched out of this life. And God does not bring, um, I guess, a screeching halt to life or, a, or blocks a train with a trash truck without having some redemptive factor. And I would like to believe and trust that there is light in life in this area for people that come up against hard places, and and the, and the challenge to me is just like Walt was saying: Are we are we able ministers? Do I see myself <laughs> as made righteous, and do I, in an imperfect body in the flesh, do I believe? that I have, in fact, been reconciled by God and have something to offer to a world around us. I had to think of spiritual blindness. The only difference between a blind person who cannot see and who he eventually sees, nothing changes. The reality isn't change. He just now sees that which is and I see this Work of God, can I bring attention and awareness to people that hit the mountain or think the world is falling in because of riots and hate and um, or a delegation who is about lawmaking and running an earthly kingdom, but there's all there is a spiritual side to life that is totally in place, doesn't need any reform simply asked to believe that which is in place. And I would just like to trust that, um, in fact, we do, we are. As we bring, keep bringing awareness from Sunday to Sunday about this, the reality of Emmanuel, God in us, we have something to offer. There's hope in our own lives. Um, just a little bit more about the Carr family, this young, um, Kent Carr was a single guy in his early 50s, um, an avid pilot. I don't know what happened for sure. Um, And I actually wasn't aware of it, but his brother just about four months ago, um, a little bit older than him, had died of an aneurysm in Florida. Um, This Carr family, they had three sons. They've got one married son now living. And here this Carr family, his parents are still living They lost two sons in four months. And I'm running a business. I'm working with two of my sons. We have six children. And, you know, yes, there's things I'd like to see different. You know what? We're working together. Who better work out life issues than with your own family? There's an opportunity to extend grace. And to draw from the rich resources. I'm um, you know, like, how would you deal with losing two sons in four months?
1: Thanks, Jonas. Appreciate that. Anybody, anybody else have a comment, a word, a question, a, a thought? All right. Anybody have something we could be praying for this week as we uh, head out and come back together over at the fire department next week? Don't forget. Um, anything to pray for, pray about? I got something coming up? Want to share? All right. Um, we'll hopefully have signs out next week, but they're asking us, and if, you've, if you're not familiar, don't stress about it. You'll just park where you see other cars. But um, there's a, gra- a large grass field behind the fire department to the right as you turn in Firehouse Road. Um, that's where they're asking us to park. That way, in case they have a, f- a call, they can get all their huge trucks out and back around, you know. Um, if we're parked in the parking lot, we could actually block one of the big trucks, you know. So we'll, we'll have signs or something, you know, uh, Park where you see my car, right over on the side. Um, let's see anything else? I think that uh, I think that does it. Um, let's stand and be closed in a word of prayer. Hopefully, uh, this is uh, somewhat helpful uh, for somebody who might have been thinking about uh, about these things of what what does my role look like in this kingdom. Father, we thank you for this invitation that you've invited us into. Be You have not invited us into a master-slave relationship where you simply bark out orders and we do our best to do what the master says. That's not this relationship at all. You've not called us into a passive relationship where we are numb and lifeless and void of thought and action and desire, not at all. You've called us into a partnership where you are the vine and we the branch, where you are the husband, we the wife, we the bride, receiving your life and producing a fruit by your life. So I just pray that that picture for somebody this week will just make things connect even better about just how good this good news and this good reality of life in Christ really is. You could have called us into a slave ship. You could have, but you didn't. You chose something so much better, a union, a partnership, a oneness, where you are God, we are man, but you have joined yourself to us through your Son, thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.
0: Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.